0: Mouth of my heart that I may proclaim the holy gospel of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Amen This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ the Son of God as it is written in the prophet Isaiah See I'm sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord; make his paths straight. And John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem are going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I am is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we pray that we would hear not just the words of men, but the words of God. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to take that as my text this morning from Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, and beginning at verse 1. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 994. Page 994, Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, and beginning at verse 1. And this morning I want to talk about John the Baptist's enduring relevance. John the Baptist's enduring relevance. In fact, as it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we might say that John has always been relevant. And indeed, in a very real sense, as Mark suggests, the gospel of Jesus Christ begins with John. (laughs) Indeed, notice again verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, if all you you had was that one verse, you might begin to imagine, well, then what comes next in verse 2? But after Mark says that, then what comes is a story about John. Indeed, and seemingly, John is the link between what God was doing under the old covenant and what God is now, even in our own day, doing in the new covenant. And so, if you like, in a a real sense, the gospel of Jesus Christ begins with John. And even more than that, it wouldn't be incorrect to say that in a sense that John even predates the gospel. Indeed, hundreds of years prior to his appearing in the wilderness and the days leading up to Jesus' own public ministry, John's ministry was foretold by the prophets. In fact, it wasn't some mistake. He didn't say to himself, you know what, I think, you see, instead of being a doctor, I think I'll be a preacher. It had nothing to do with that. Indeed, John is the fulfillment of what was written about him hundreds of years before he was even conceived. But not- and notice that beginning at verse 2. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I'm sending my messenger before your face. And he will prepare your way. And that's what John did for Jesus. He was his forerunner. And who was he? The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. (laughs) Make it easy for him to come. Don't be a stumbling block to him when he does. And so John's ministry was foretold by the prophets. And then John did just exactly what the prophets said that he would do. Preparing the way of the Lord. And pointing us to that new thing that God now is doing for us in his son Jesus Christ. And so as it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ, one might say that John has always been relevant. And not only that, John's message continues to be as relevant to us today as it was in his own day, and that's so because, as we might say, while human technology has advanced in ways that even John himself could have never possibly have imagined, humanity has not changed. Indeed humanity has remained pretty much the same, and so what John proclaimed some two millennia ago still seems to ring true. Indeed, John's message continues to be as relevant as it was when he first proclaimed it. And so the prophets foretold John's coming and then he appeared. Indeed, notice again, verses four through eight. And John appeared, (laughs) just as the prophets said he would and just in the place where they said he would. Baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea, southern Palestine, and all Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, were going out to him and they were being baptized by him in the river Jordan. Which river I've seen with my very own eyes. It's still there. (laughs) Running from the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea. And so they were coming out. They were being baptized by him in the Jordan River. And they were confessing to him their sins. (laughs) Verse 6. And John was clothed with camel's hair. A garment made from camel's hair. Sounds kind of itchy. Not the sort of clothes that Pilate or Herod would have worn. It's prophet's attire. And he ate locusts and honey. And he preached saying to the people, After me comes one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you, to make a comparison. I have baptized you with water, but the one who is coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so Mark says that John appeared baptizing in the wilderness, that is the Judean wilderness, southeast of Jerusalem and west of of the Dead Sea, where now we might think about where the Qumran community was, where uh, in the middle of the last century, the the famous Dead Sea Scrolls were found. That's where he was, and, and he appeared, proclaiming a baptism of repentance, or as Peterson puts it in the message, a baptism of life change. which is really a great way of putting it because that's exactly what the word repentance means. Metanoia in the Greek literally means, literally it means to think again. Or or if you like, to change your mind. And, And not only to change your mind, but because you've changed your mind and it's a sincere change to change your ways. Because you've changed your mind. Or as Peterson puts it here, to change your life. That's what he was preaching. And that was the meaning of the baptism. Or to unpack it a little more, to repent means to turn truly in your heart from everything that you know to be wrong and to turn with all your heart to God. In fact, it's sort of a doing of a, a, a 180. You're heading in this direction and living in the darkness and you turn from that and turn to the light and turn to the life and you say, God, take me and use me. And God's promise to us when we do is the forgiveness of sins. In fact, that's what baptism signifies. Baptism signifies here is a person who is seeking life change. This is a person who is at a, is a, at a, at a watershed, at a, at a crossroads, and is taking the right cross. <laughs> a person who is committing himself or herself to God in a new and a fresh way because they've seen the light because truth has had its way with them and then the forgiveness of sins also this washing right this, this uh, language it reminds me of what John wrote famously John the Apostle not John the Baptist but John one of the apostles of Jesus in his first letter 1st John 1 beginning at verse 8 and he's writing to a Christian community. In fact, this is sort of like Rob and Bell and, and uh, uh, Ron Golden wrote uh, a few years back that Christians need to be saved. Good night, if we're not truly converted, what hope is there for the world? And so these are the, the sorts of things that we say in church and so forth are about sin and repentance and so forth are, are meant for the church. In fact, all of the people that John the Baptist were talking to by and large were religious people. They weren't pagans, (laughs) they were religious people and he was calling them to live true to what they say they believe. (laughs) Which is something that the church always has to hear regardless of the covenant in which it finds itself. But John wrote, he said, if we say, notice he even includes himself, if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves. No one else is deceived, certainly God is not deceived. If we say we have no sin, or we might say, well, you know, we're all sinners, but you can never think of anything in particular that you need to confess or repent of. And Part of the problem is is that you can't see your own sins because you're so focused on everybody else's. (laughs) I may not have big sins, but they do, (laughs) right? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And in other words, what he's saying is, we're living a lie. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, and many people get stuck right here. And so technology changes and advances, but we don't. Indeed, as someone has said wisely, things change when I change. And so if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us, verse 9, but if we we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, what does it mean to confess? The Greek word is homologeo. It means to say the same thing. That's what confession is. God says, no, that's wrong, don't do that. (laughs) And to confess it is to say, you know, Lord, I agree, it's wrong, I confess. That's confession, agreeing with God about what God says about sin. But if we confess, if we hamalageo, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Have you ever gone to somebody who did something wrong to them, you go to them and apologize, and you wondered if they were ever going to accept your apology? And that, in fact, maybe that might be one of the reasons why you don't apologize to people, because it hasn't gone well for you in the past. And you go and you say, hey, you know what, you deserve better, that was, that was wrong. And uh, so I, I apologize, that was, that was wrong. Huh. Look, but look at God's response. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, to wash us. That's what's signified in baptism, this washing. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. <laughs> and Mark tells us that all the country, of course it's a hyperbole, all the country of Judea, all of Jerusalem, not everyone went, but the point is is that lots of people went. In fact, so many people were going out to to John that it it seemed to legitimize this hyperbole that all of Judea and all of Jerusalem were going out. Certainly there were enough people going out to John that it made the members of the Sanhedrin nervous and even Herod was nervous about what these people were doing in relationship to this this man who never told him to come. He's a voice crying alone in the wilderness. (laughs) And they go out, because someone close enough said to his friend or her friend, Did you hear that? Hear what? Sounds like a voice. And so they draw closer. And then all of a sudden, all of the country of Judea, that is, all the people of the rural areas, and all Jerusalem, that is, the people from the capital city, the urban, primary, principal urban area, were going out to John. They were being baptized. He told them to, and they were obeying his directive. They were being baptized by Him in the River Jordan, and the River Jordan empties out right in that Judean wilderness, right into the Dead Sea. And they were confessing their sins. Can you imagine? Now, I, I've never been to a baptism like that. I mean, people make promises that they're going to confess, and they make, and so on. Can you imagine and say, but now, before we do this uh, baptism, if you just turn to the congregation, and tell them your sins. But that's what they were doing. I mean, these people meant business. This was no, like, they were going out to get baptized because their granny insisted. This had nothing to do with that. This was down and dirty, the thing that must be done. (laughs) And so they were baptized by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. Confessing their sins. Like when one, one pastor put it commenting on the value of confession, he said, if you don't talk about it, you can't be delivered from it. <laughs> I didn't say that he did. That was great. If you won't talk about it, you can't be delivered from it. Addiction, lust, greed, resentment, pride, sloth, fear. If you're not willing to, to, to mention it, And take it to God and say this is the junk that I got to get rid of Lord and I need your help. The one coming after you John is going to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Baptize us in the Holy Spirit. That's just what I need. I need superpower. supernatural enablement. But none of that happens and none of that comes prior to confession and the acknowledgement that Lord, you're right, I'm broken, and I need to be fixed. And that's what John was saying to people. And so, John, or so Mark s- says that all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to John and they were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And so, how about you? <laughs> Will you change? Or will you just stay the same? And Mark continues. He says, and it's this John character, this one that the prophets prophesied and foretold would come. He was a man clothed in camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist. Pretty simple. John is dressed like a prophet in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the style of Elijah. In fact, when you read about Elijah in 1 Kings, 2 Kings, he, he's described in the same way. In fact, m- many confused and said, is this not Elijah come again? When John was asked that question, he said no. And Jesus says, yes, he is. He, he is Elijah come. And Mark says that John ate locusts and wild honey. There, there were, you know, there wasn't a piggly-wiggly out in the, in the Judean wilderness. And so he ate what was there. And what was there were bugs, locusts, which by the way, according to Mosaic law, was was clean to eat, and wild honey. So he had his main course and dessert every day whenever he could find it. I'm imagining this John is a rather thin figure. maybe with a raspy voice, because he did so much shouting. And Mark says, and John preached to the people saying, after me comes, and this is really interesting, it's in the present tense. (coughs) It could be, it should be, we would say, to reflect that, after me is coming. Not after me one will come, after me one is coming now. Who is mightier than I. Because ultimately John knows this and John doesn't mind. In fact in in the gospel of John he says Jesus must increase and I must decrease. There's no problem. He who comes from heaven is above above all. And so John says what he says because he knows it's ultimately not about him. He's the forerunner. He's the messenger. He's not the thing. He's not the subject of the message. It's all about Jesus. And so John says, after me comes, after me is coming one who's mightier than I. In fact, in verse 3, he's called the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. (laughs) This Lord who's coming, whose way I'm preparing is mightier than I. And the strap of His sandal. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie it. And so he's stronger than me. He is the Lord. And I'm not worthy even to act on his behalf. And do what a slave is called to do. That that would be. To be his slave would be an honor too great for me. John says. In verse 8. I have baptized you with water. But he will do something I, I wouldn't know where to begin to even try to do. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so I wonder, what are you going to do? I mean, we talk about John the Baptist. Every year, he is always the subject matter on the second and the third Sundays in Advent. If you go to an Episcopal church or a church that does literally, that's liturgy that's been passed down to us down the ages, and what the church has been talking about for at least 1,500 years, this time of year. What are you going to do, you know? Interestingly enough, the Pharisees listened to John. Oh, they went out, they listened to him. They knew what he was saying. They just didn't do what he said. And Herod, oh, he he loved John. So he arrested him. And then he'd go down in the prison or he'd bring him up into the the court at the palace and say, John, preach us one of those wilderness sermons. (laughs) Listen to this guy. He's great. But he never did what he said. In fact, you know the story. John went on and on about Herod's sins and then one day his... uh, stepdaughter did a dance for him and his guests. It was his birthday and he was so pleased and they were so pleased with her dance. He said tell me what you want. I'll give you up to half a little proverbial statement. I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. Just name it. What do you want? And she didn't know how to answer that. She was just a girl and so she went back to her mother and she didn't like John very much and so she said tell Herod that you want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And so she came back. And Herod was sorry, but he couldn't, you know, they're gonna to have to seek another source of entertainment. But because of the guests who were there, he had to follow through, and so he sent an executioner down into the prison. They chopped off John's head and brought it back on a platter. And it was presented to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. Not exactly a prosperity gospel message. And so the Pharisees listened but they didn't do what John said and Herod listened but he didn't do what John said and that's what many people do. Like the Pharisees and Herod they listen to what God says. They just don't do what God says. But as the scriptures say, it's not the hearers but the doers who are justified before God. And so what you do or what you don't do this morning with what you've heard is up to you. And John the Baptist and his message is just as relevant now, as it was then, if you can hear his voice, <laughs> let us pray. Lord, it was Jesus himself who said, And whoever is a servant of sin is a slave to it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Well, you know what, I think it was the devil who said, you know, no, 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 sin is freedom. But it's not. And there may be some pleasure attached to it, but there's always a payday that comes. And the ultimate payday is to stand before you and have to give an account, and that with all the other things that we might have attached ourselves to that we might have even thought was more important than you yourself, Lord. (laughs) Our job and other people and our possessions and all that will be stripped away because no one brings anything in and no one takes anything out. Indeed, the only thing that we will have when we stand before you is our character. And Jesus, either as our advocate or our judge... And so, Lord, give us wisdom to heed, as we prayed earlier, to heed the warnings of the prophets that we might, when your son comes again, or when we meet him before he comes because we pass before his coming, we will greet that day with joy rather than fear. And this we pray in his name. Amen.